HealthWorks, providing trusted, culturally appropriate information and resources. We aim to strengthen vaccine confidence and prevent outbreaks of vaccine-preventable diseases where we live, worship, work, and play. Increasing access to vaccine and booster shots for diverse, medically underserved populations. Engaging communities, families, and businesses in the fight against COVID-19. So thank you for joining us for the Morehouse School of Medicine and the Harry Medical College and Ashland Management Group HealthWorks Consortium podcast. This podcast series began in May of 2022 and it was designed to highlight the existing infrastructures and partnerships that were established to implement and coordinate a sustainable and trustworthy network in Georgia and Tennessee. And this network was created to develop and provide access to COVID-19 related services and to advance health equity mechanisms that address COVID-19 related health disparities amongst higher risk, underserved populations that are disproportionately affected. These populations include rural placement, racial, ethnic minority groups, immigrants and refugees, persons experiencing homelessness and the minority business community. Now this is the eighth and the last episode in this series. And as the podcast began in May of 2022, we end this timely and informative experience with the program principal investigator, Dr. Lozana of Morehouse School of Medicine and the two site investigators, Dr. Paul Juarez at Harry Medical College and Dr. Ebony Ains of Ashton Management Group. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Congratulations to the consortium on your contributions along with your partners, One Joshua Group, Black Girl Health Foundation, and Mojo Marketing. And much work has taken place with consortium in a very short period of time. And we know that it's taken the whole village for this to be successful. And Dr. Lozano and Dr. Haynes, why did you think it was necessary for this endeavor to take place? Right. Um, I believe it was necessary because we need all hands on deck in order to um, combat COVID-19, as well as just to achieve health equity in our, our, in our minority communities. Dr. Haynes? Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think that there was a huge need for us to make sure that those communities that you just mentioned, those racial ethnic minorities, those who are underserved, um, those that lack resources within the community, also were hearing from trusted members of their communities. So we could combat vaccine hesitancy, get people um, engaged and encouraged and wanting to become vaccinated, but then also getting people motivated to also be disseminators of factual information within their local communities. Good. So we started this process, this collaboration uh, around March of 2022. And as we said earlier, this has been a very short period of time and a lot of work has taken place. Uh, we convened a summit recently to examine what those lessons learned are. For the both of you, what do you believe the most important lessons to be? And do you think that they differed from Georgia and Tennessee. Dr. Haynes? So I think, yeah, oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Lozano can go ahead. 
because he called he called on you teacher said <laughs> go first <laughs> so no i don't think that there were any major differences um in the lessons learned across the two states granted our two states do have their um their uniquenesses but by and large you know when we like when we think about the challenges in terms of um, COVID vaccinations, getting critical and important and factual information out into communities, um, and the needs of minority and refugee and immigrant and other um, underserved communities um, in both of those states, that work looks very similar. And so, you know, engaging as many partners as Dr. Lozana mentioned earlier to do this work is absolutely a strategy that we see as a best practice, not only in Tennessee and Georgia, but also a huge takeaway for other communities that are contemplating doing this work in their states. Great. Dr. Lozana? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So the summit's focus, really, the lessons learned was really about the HealthWorks initiative and the idea to deploy community health workers, um, health outreach workers, business ambassadors, and college ambassadors to mitigate COVID-19 and health disparities in our minority communities. So specifically, what we wanted to, you know, find out, what we wanted to learn was how can community efforts be central to better health in all communities. And I think that's what we found out, right? So that's really what HealthWorks was about. And so like Dr. Haynes said, we had different methods, you know, um, some of them had similarities, but you know, different types of methods of engagement. But at the end, what we learned is how to centralize community efforts. Dr. Haynes, one of the unique components of the program was the engagement of minority business, and you mentioned that earlier. We'd like to take a listen to Ms. Linda Botts, who's Chief Executive Officer of Ashland, to see what she says about health works and the inclusion of minority business. And we'll be right back to see what your responses are to Ms. Botts' comments. My name is Linda Botts, and I'm president and CEO of Ashland Management Group. I'm also a proud partner with Morehouse School of Medicine and Meharry Medical College. Our nation has long recognized that small businesses are the engine to our economic growth. Mobilizing small businesses can help communities get vaccinated faster and save lives. We don't always look to small businesses when disasters strike but we really should. They are trusted messengers in our community. Ashland Management Group, in partnering with Morehouse School of Medicine and Meharry Medical School, has gone and trained business owners on how to provide COVID education, encourage vaccinations, and work with public health professionals. We have an army of small businesses in Georgia and Tennessee ready to be mobilized and deployed to help our nation in the fight against COVID-19. Thank you very much for having me here today. So Dr. Haynes, that was uh, Ms. Linda Botts, who is Chief Executive Officer of Ashton Management Group. You have any responses to Ms. Botts' comments? Sure. Um, I think Mrs. Botts 
correctly said that your small businesses are, you know, part of that economic engine that keeps our country moving. And um, they too should be recognized as critical partners in any type of public health response that we should have moving forward. And so when we think about what those next steps might be, you know, for me, it's us being intentional about engaging small businesses, minority-owned business in particular, when we start talking about wanting to engage um, minority communities in particular around um, any type of health problem that might be challenging those communities. And by and large, you know, there are so many health disparities out there. So you, you pick a health concern and more than likely minority communities are the most impacted by that. And so there is an opportunity there to make sure that our minority small um, and minority owned businesses are engaged in, in this public health work. And so as we move forward from this project, using all of the lessons that we've learned through HealthWorks, I think, you know, there are opportunities to engage those ambassadors that we were um, able to train through the HealthWorks program. I think that we can deploy them very easily in um, any number of health programs that might be implemented within Georgia or Tennessee. And there are opportunities for us to expand this work and take these lessons learned so that we can train other small business health ambassadors in other states so that they can go out and do the exact same thing that ours did, um, whether it's around COVID or monkeypox or the flu or any other challenge that's impacting the public health system um, now or in the future. So I think, you know, Doc, um, Mrs. Botts was very visionary um, last year when she put this out there and said, how can we engage small businesses? And here we are today putting this program into place, testing it, seeing what works. And now we need to use those lessons learned to impact other communities throughout the country. So I would imagine, as you said, that is absolutely critical that we continue to move this forward. The engagement of minority and small business, training where they get a chance to share that uh, information they learn in their families and also in their communities. So we certainly, as a takeaway, hear what Ms. Bott said and what you've also said, Dr. Haynes, about the importance of engaging small and minority business in learning and receiving factual information, not just about COVID-19. Yeah, so we wanted to find out, um, as we listened and you talked about, you mentioned critical factual information. Dr. James Hildreth discussed the importance of trustworthiness in engaging populations that were included in health work. And Dr. James Hildreth, president and chief executive officer of Meharry Medical College speaks to that. So let's listen to what Dr. Hildreth says about trust. And we'll be back with you, uh, Dr. Haynes, and Dr. Lozana for some responses to Dr. Hilda's comments on trustworthiness. One thing that I'm excited about in terms of the community health workers is that we've known for a long time that messages are meaningless unless the messenger is trusted. So by taking people from communities and training them up as community health workers, we've solved a major problem because we have somebody who's from the community, of the community, conveying those messages, 
they're going to be much better received and internalized. The other thing is uh, community health workers have the potential for engaging and inspiring others to want to become involved in the healthcare workforce. And we know, as you're probably aware, that when the healthcare provider workforce reflects the people they're taking care of, outcomes are better. So I think on that basis as well, having community health workers from the community is going to be beneficial on lots of levels. And I think it's a really exciting part of this program that, uh, that, we're, that we're involved in. So Dr. Hildeth restated some categories. First of all, generally workforce. He talked about uh, community outreach workers, community health workers, uh, small business ambassadors, and messaging. And we'll go to you, Dr. Lozano. What's your thought about how we engage to the next steps uh, these populations that are rural, ethnic minority, homeless, Imagine talking about developing a workforce with homeless people. I mean, that is just, that's, that's innovative and transformative. What, what do you think about that? Oh, right, right. So when we think about this community-engaged workforce, you know, we have the community health workers, we have the outreach workers, we have the business ambassadors, we have the college ambassadors, and we have other models. The important thing is these are people who are in our community, these people we know. These are our families. These are our friends. These are people that go to church with us. These are people who work with us, you know, they go to school with us. And so, you know, you start with building trust with people that you know. And so this, as in terms of a workforce development model, is crucial. Um, As you said, we can take this and it can be applied to any population. So there's that aspect as well as the rapid deployment aspect. So once we have this model working, so any future um, public health emergencies, um, any other types of emergencies, these people can be engaged and deployed very quickly. Like I said, these are our neighbors. These are people we work with. It's a phone call. It's a, you know, knock on your door like, you know, hey, this is going on. And this is what we know. This is the information we know about it. Again, trusted information. So people are educated to be able to give trusted information. And so it's an awesome model. And I think that, you know, we are going to go forward, of course, um, you know, with uh, using this model, this workforce development model, and you'll see it in different uh, populations. Dr. Haynes. Yeah, I think Dr. Lazana hit the nail on the head with that. Um, the only thing that I can add really is that, you know, there are so many times where people think, oh, well, you know, this work really is central to the public health uh, workforce, right? You know, it makes sense for us to have our public health students and graduates engaged in this work, people who are in the traditional public health workforce, people who work in health departments, um, doing this work in local communities. And there is a space for all of those individuals to be engaged. Um, We have a lot of folks who are coming out of schools and programs of public health across the country who need that, um, that that in experience in order to help propel their public health careers. But at the end of the day, really all of us should be thinking about public health. Um, you know, we all should see that we all have a role in protecting the public's health, not just our, our own household's health, but also the health of our neighborhoods, the health of our communities, um, the health of our states and our country. And so when we look at it from the perspective of everybody having a role in this, then it makes sense to say, okay, well, then how do we engage all of these um, individuals, these partners who maybe traditionally we have not engaged in this work? 
And when we when we think about it that way, the whole paradigm is different. Um, our whole approach to to our work in public health has to be different. And so we need different models. And, you know, I'm just proud. And I know Dr. Lozano and Dr. Juarez are, are proud as well to be able to say that we've, you know, created a model um, and we've tested a model and, and we have this new model that's out there that other people can can take and use and refine and make it work for their local communities. But at the end of the day, you know, expanding um, what we would consider our public health response to be individuals that haven't traditionally been at the table. And that's absolutely what's going to be needed for us to um, to be a country that is able to respond effectively to any public health emergency that comes down the down the pipeline. And, and um, also, so can I add one thing really quickly? So thank you, Dr. Hanks, because you reminded me when I heard uh, Linda Botts talk, the first thing I thought about was that the business ambassadors, um, you know, um, educated by Ashland Management Group were really an unconventional public health workforce, you know? So yes, they're a business workforce, but they're spreading public health information. And so I think, like you said, this is unique and it's revolutionary. Um, it, it's, it's strategic, it's different um, because we're educating, you know, other um, industries, if you will, that are not necessarily public health, but can do public health work because that's important. So yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, just to piggyback off that, you know, <laughs> our work with the college ambassadors, I mean, you know, using college students who may not be health majors, right, but college students who have an interest in connecting with their peers and, you know, using social media in new ways to share these messages. I mean, we are really doing um, a great work with HealthWorks. And, and so, you know, we're shown, we have shown that you can use um, anybody, right, in our community to do this work. And so I'm just excited that um, people can use our example in local communities. So Dr. Lasani, spot on, yes, ma'am. And you, you mentioned uh, the evolution of preparedness and mobilizing people. So we are much closer to whatever the next pandemic uh, epidemic is going to be. We know where we can reach back, bring along some people who have the authority of being able to speak through some of the training um, that they've received through the health work program. Um, Dr. Lozana, Dr. Valerie Montgomery-Rice, who's president and chief executive officer of Morehouse School of Medicine, told us about the traction that Morehouse School of Medicine, within its history and its experience um, in this commitment, just like Meharry Medical College and Ashland Management. We're going to take a look at what Dr. Montgomery-Rice says, and then we're going to come back and get some responses uh, from that. Morehouse School of Medicine is so excited to partner with Meharry Medical College and Ashland Management Group in partnering with small community grassroots organizations to transform how we think about building bridges between healthcare and health. It is so important that Morehouse School of Medicine participates in this consortium because we are a trusted voice in the community. We, like other institutions, particularly grassroots organizations, have really understood that people need to hear from people who they know in the community. There's a sense of trust and engagement that 
comes from those relationships that have been built over the years, period. And we figured out that particularly during this vaccine um, hesitancy component of the pandemic, that it was the fact that we had been in the community previously that made all the difference to why someone would choose to move beyond their comfort zone to get a vaccine. And it was because they had heard our voices when there wasn't a pandemic. They had heard our voices when they were trying to get access to care. They had heard our voices when they were trying to understand about some uh, unknown diagnosis that came into their family, like cancer or some communicable disease. And we were the ones who were there and have been there to explain the opportunities for access to care and access to the most transformational therapies. So we've been there when others have not been. So when we came during this pandemic, we were able to decrease the amount of vaccine hesitancy. But I would add that we still have more to do because we know there's still somewhere around 25% of people who are not vaccinated. And we know that this pandemic may have moved to an endemic and it will continue to require that we are fully engaged with the community to bring that other 25% along so that we can eradicate this COVID-19 uh, pandemic and endemic. So that was Dr. Valerie Montgomery Rice, President and Chief Executive Officer of Morehouse School of Medicine. Dr. Lozana, did you have any thoughts about Dr. Montgomery Rice's comments? Uh, absolutely. Dr. Montgomery Rice is always on it, as we know. She's a powerful woman, and she what she speaks is the truth. Um, and so, again, in that 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 search or that um, you know journey towards uh, health equity. Morehouse School of Medicine, Mary Medical College, um, you know, we've led the way um, in supporting and promoting community health workers uh, for over 25 years. And so as Dr. Montgomery Rice mentioned, we were already in the community. We were already there, you know, doing community engagement and really quickly to mobilize on uh, for COVID-19 um, mitigation. And so as she mentioned, this is a continual process. So we'll continue to do those things, combining um, you know, COVID-19 vaccinations and boosters with other wellness checkups, you know, with flu vaccinations, annual flu vaccinations as well. Um, and so I think it's important, you know, that we really kind of understand this workforce. So the workforce has been around for a long time. It's just now getting the recognition, you know, that it, it deserves and it will be around. So the good thing is that I think that it also, what we did with HealthWorks, it also helped us to kind of switch um, the thinking of community members, you know, so we went from thinking like, oh, you know, this pandemic, we've never seen anything like it, you know, to there'll be more pandemics, there'll be more public health emergencies. And so we are ready. So we'll continue to be ready. So not that we have to, you know, totally mobilize you know, we'll already be engaged and then be able to tackle any new public health emergencies as they arrive. So again, it's this shift in thinking. And I think the shift in thinking really leads us to what Dr. Montgomery Rice was saying about health equity, being bridges between healthcare and health. Dr. Haynes, your observations? 
again, I agree with both um, these wonderful women um, in their assessment. The other thing I would say is that, you know, this truly should be a call to action um, for those organizations that can help us in this work, this health equity work that we're doing. And so, you know, we were very fortunate that um, we had the funding through the federal government, through HRSA to make this work possible. But the truth is that, you know, our public health system is chronically underfunded. And so there, you know, there need to be more um, avenues to provide funding to organizations in communities um, that are doing great work where you can ramp up very quickly should there be a public health emergency. And so, you know, we also have to think differently about how we how we um, fund our public health systems. But at the end of the day, you know, we should look to organizations like Meharry and Morehouse School of Medicine and recognize that they are um, they are doing this great work within local communities, but there are so many opportunities to support them more in what they're doing so that they can impact even more lives, so that they can um, go deeper into communities and do the preventative health work that needs to be done. Um, so that, you know, and, and just recognize how valuable and how much of a resource um, those two um, institutions are within communities of color in, in Georgia and Tennessee, and the fact that their impact is, um, is a worldwide impact. And so the more we can do to support and fund those organizations, we absolutely should be doing that work. So Dr. Lozano, Dr. Haynes stepped all over my closing section on the call to action. So I've got to step back and see what we can do. But as she said, we need to look at a different way. And as both of you said, we need to look at a different way of funding public health initiatives. We need to be sure that we're engaging the right people. And as we've said before, it's not just being sure they're at the table. It's being sure that they're included when we begin to build the table. Now, we've heard all these wonderful stories over the last um, eight or nine months, and so not to go back and ask again about the call for action, but I know you, Dr. Lozana, and you, Dr. Haynes, have a favorite story to tell um, that occurred in one of your events. Can you share that with us as uh, we begin to look at the end of this? Oh my goodness, I had so so many favorite <laughs> stories. I'm like, you got us on that one. Um, I want to say like maybe like so last weekend, um, our team went to um, Albany um, to do a homecoming, you know, event. And um, there was a elderly couple, you know, they came up. So we have some pictures um, who were alumni, you know, but elderly couple. Um, and they talked about how, you know, out here in the um, homecoming that they needed to get their boosters and sat down and, you know, got their boosters. So they were insistent while they were out there, you know, having fun representing uh, their school, you know, also it's this importance of public health. So that comes to mind quickly. We have so many, but, you know, since you put us on the spot, I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> Dr. Haynes. I would say during one of our training sessions, our meetup training sessions, hour and a half, training with individuals who were trying to get certified to be small business health ambassadors. After one of the activities, um, one of the 
new ambassadors came back and said, you know, I really love that we did this facts versus myths activity because honestly, I believed some of the myths that were that were shared. And, you know, it was just really helpful to have um, and this opportunity to learn that the stuff that I had heard, the stuff that I had internalized was not true. The things that I had been sharing with other people wasn't true. And so now I know that I need to go back and I need to um, spread the correct message to um, individuals within my circles of influence. And and the work that, you know, that work was so easy for us to do. It was easy for us to pull um, individuals from the community, these business owners, these employees of businesses together and provide an hour and a half training where we're, you know, really giving them um, factual information. We need to be able to do more of that. So that's one of my one of my favorite stories, just someone being very authentic and transparent and saying, I believe some of these myths and I spread some of them, um, but now I need to go back and correct it. So so hopefully, you know, other people can use that person's example and, and do something similar within their local communities as well. So as one of the partners, we want to congratulate Meharry Medical College Morehouse School of Medicine and the Ashton Management Group for the great work that you've done and your dedication to saving lives. There is no misconception. There's no misinformation that health works works. I'm Kermit Payne. I want to remind you to be kind and be compassionate and remember to work towards better health, health equity, and saving lives. We would like to thank our special guests for joining us today. This HealthWorks podcast series is supported by the United States Department of Health and Human Services and the Health Resources and Services Administration. The contents are those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by, HHS, HRSA, or the U.S. government. Don't forget to subscribe to receive notifications about future episodes and be sure to share this information with your family, friends, and colleagues. Here's to bringing about a great change and improving health. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, and be compassionate. HealthWorks, providing trusted, culturally appropriate information and resources. We aim to strengthen vaccine confidence and prevent outbreaks of vaccine-preventable diseases where we live, worship, work, and play. Increasing access to vaccine and booster shots for diverse, medically underserved populations. Engaging communities, families, and businesses in the fight against COVID-19.